first precinct, Sergeant Waters. Well, how long is the precinct you've seen him? Yeah. Yeah. You're sure he didn't move out? Well, who told you that, lady? Yeah. You are in the muster room at the 21st precinct, the nerve center. A call is coming through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st precinct. All right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send an officer on a talk Yeah, he'll be there right away. You just wait for him. Look, maybe, uh, 
Maybe we better go up and take a look, Mrs. Neal. Yes, maybe we better. My goodness. Just let me get this trash up. It'll take a second. All right. Oh, tell me something. Uh, how old a man is Mr. Lowfield? Huh? Oh, he's middle 60s, I suppose. Not 65. I never asked him. I never asked him much. He's not one to talk. Yes, he knows everyone. He knows everyone around. Well, what's his first name? Edwin. It's Edwin Lowfield. Mm-hmm. Well... That'll have to do for now. People walk by here and they throw everything they can think of on my stoop. They couldn't throw their cigarettes and papers in the gutter. They have to throw them on my stoop. Oh, go ahead. Oh, thank you. I just leave the boom right here. It's this way. Mm-hmm. The second floor. What, uh, what does he do? What do you mean? When he gets out at night, does he, uh, does he go to work? Well, I don't think so. I don't think he works at all. Well, what does he live on? Well, who knows? Social Security, maybe. He's got the money to pay the rent. That way. Maybe a person, I don't know. I never asked him. It's that one. Now, look, uh, you don't know whether he has any family or any friends? Well, none that I saw. I never saw any of them. Yeah, there's a key in the door, all right. That won't do you any good. I've been trying that since yesterday afternoon. No one you spoke to saw him go out. Huh? No, no one. And he's never gone away on a trip for a weekend since he's lived here in six years? Never. No. Listen, you don't think he's... Oh, no. Oh, that would be awful. Now, look, you say no one saw him go out, and he was in the habit of going out every night. Now, the key's in the door, and it's locked on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The poor old man. But I think we ought to kick it in. That's all right with you, of course. Will he do much damage? Who's going to pay for it? Well, I think one good kick will take care of that old-time lock. Do you think we ought to? Well, the door is your property, Mrs. New. Well, maybe we better. All right, now, you just stand back over there. One good kick ought to take care of it. Be careful, though. Yeah, I'll try. All right, that does it. You certainly can kick. I'll say that. Patrolman Vaccaro made no further attempt to examine the property of the deceased. 
Another resident of the rooming house appeared in the hall and was sent by the officer to call the station house and notify the desk officer. After an ambulance surgeon pronounced the man DOA in the presence of a civilian witness, the landlady, Patrolman Vaccaro recorded in his memorandum book the pedigree of the deceased, an accurate description of the body and wearing apparel, and all the known facts concerning the time, the place, the manner, and the circumstances of the death. In the meantime, Lieutenant Gorman, the desk officer, notified the medical examiner and the 21st Detective Squad. A radio motor patrol car and the sergeant's car was dispatched to the scene. Lieutenant Matt King, the commander of the 21st Detective Squad, sent two detectives. I was told by the desk officer of the circumstances involving a large amount of cash, and inasmuch as this property must be inventoried, both under the supervision of a superior officer and witnessed by a competent and responsible civilian, I went to the scene myself. While we were still waiting for the arrival of the medical examiner, a search of the premises was begun, and an exact inventory of all the deceased property in the room was being taken. That's 7,400 so far. 7,400? I had no idea, Captain. No idea at all. Well, I don't imagine many people did. He never seemed in war for anything, but he certainly gave the impression he was just making ends meet. Right in the room, the drawer. Captain. Yes, Sergeant. He did his own laundry, I know. Can I see you over here a minute? Yeah. And I even gave him permission to cook his own breakfast in here. Ah, excuse me, Miss Neal. Yes, 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 of course. Well, what is it, Sergeant? Look who was in the closet. Two suitcases in the back there. Yeah? A bonanza. Four bank books. Savings accounts. Brother. $9,300 in here. $8,700 in this one. Oh, that's too bad. Only 4000 in here. And last but not least, in this one, $9,450. Well, he sure spread it around, didn't he? With mine, Captain, I'd keep it all in one place. Those look like stock certificates, don't they? Take a look at them. Uh, yes, sir. See, uh, 500 shares of Consolidated Edison. 200 shares of AT&T. 200 shares Pennsylvania Railroad. 500 shares Columbia Broadcasting System, 250 shares DuPont, so on, so on, so on, so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and a whole stack of defense bonds. Yeah. Captain, I've come to the conclusion this fellow was loaded. Well, I picked up the suitcase. Let's take it over and get an inventory. Yes. Oh, uh, here's some more you can put on that inventory, Vaccaro. Some more what? Some more money? Yes, bank books uh, and securities. That makes it uh, $9,865 in cash, Captain. In the one drawer. $9,865? And there's more. All right. When you get it totaled, enter it in your book and I'll sign it. Yes, sir, I'll do that. Then get to work on this stuff. Captain, can I talk to you for a minute? Uh, yes, Miss Neal, of course. Every one of those bills has to be listed by serial number, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, Miss Neal. It is worth a fortune. That's what it's beginning to look like. But what happens to it? All this money, I mean. Well, we take it to the station house. The desk officer enters it in the blotter. And it gets sent down to the departmental property clerk. I mean, who gets it? Who gets it eventually? Well, he might have left a will. 
I don't know who would leave his money to. He didn't have anybody. He told me time and time again he didn't have anybody. No one in the world. No one at all? Well, I think he did have a sister. She died four or five years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Four or five years ago. Uh, do you know the sister's name? No, I hadn't any idea. He never mentioned it. I just remember that one day I saw him coming down the stairs in the morning. About 10 o'clock or 10.30. Mm-hmm. Well, he hadn't been living here too long then, only about a year, but... I'd never seen him come out in the daytime before. I said, where are you going, Mr. Lowfield? He said, to a funeral. He said, his sister died. Ah, I see. He's out in Long Island someplace. I don't know. I said, I was sorry to hear the news, and he went out the door. And that's the last he ever mentioned of her. The last he ever mentioned of her. Uh, did he get much mail here, Mrs. Neal? Mail? I don't think he had one letter. Not one letter since he lived here. Nothing? Well, I ought to know. I get the mail every morning. I put it on that marble table downstairs in the hall. The tenants come by there and pick it up, and I go through it every day to take out what's mine when I get it. I can honestly say that I've never seen one letter addressed to Mr. Lowfield. Not even one? Not one. To the best of my recollection. Uh-huh. Well, supposing she didn't leave a will. If you don't find it here, I don't think you did. What happens then? Well, then the estate is handled by the public administrator. What's that? Well, he's a city official whose job it is to administer the estates of people who die without leaving a will. Oh. He'll try to find relatives and claimants to the estate, and the estate will be disposed of by the surrogate's court. Well, he's not going to find any relatives. As far as claimants are concerned, Mr. Lowfield didn't owe anyone. He never bought anything, so how could he owe anyone? Well, in any case, it'll all be settled according to law. You know, I could really classify myself as a claimant. Could you? Yes. I've taken care of that poor old man for six years now. As a matter of fact, he's made promises to me time and time again that I could have anything I wanted that he had. Just for the favors I've done it. I gave him food. I got clothes for him. I saw that his room was kept clean. He told me anything of his that I wanted I could have. But he never paid the attention to him. I didn't think he had anything. I just did it out of the goodness of my heart. I think I have a rightful claim. Don't you, Captain? Oh, that's something I can't pass judgment on, Miss Neal. Well, what do you think I ought to do? Get a lawyer? You'll have to decide that for yourself. That poor old man. That poor, poor old man. You are listening to 21st Precinct. A factual account of the way police work in the world's largest city. You want to go to church, but you can't. On the church door, there's a sign stating entrance forbidden. Your ministers and priests and rabbis have been taken away. Your Bible has been burned. You're not allowed to own a crucifix or a St. Christopher's medal or a mezuzah. Your religion, all religions, are forbidden by order of the government. A bad dream? Yes, that's all it could be for an American citizen. Because he's guaranteed the right to worship anywhere, anytime, and in any way he chooses. Some governments allow their citizens these privileges. Others deny them. But we Americans tell our government that it has no jurisdiction over religion, whatever it may be. We say so in good, clear language. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It's part of our Bill of Rights, our Constitution. Just 16 words, signed by a few men 165 years ago. 
These 16 words are your assurance that freedom of religion will be preserved for you, for your children, and for generations to come. The First Amendment, freedom of religion, it is one of our freedoms. Now back to 21st Precinct and Captain Kennelly. Within another half hour, a representative of the medical examiner's office arrived. He made an examination of the body of John W. Lowfield and reported, pending an autopsy, that death was apparently due to natural causes. Patrolman Vaccaro, the first officer on the scene, placed a UF-95 identification tag on the wrist of the body, and it was taken to the Bellevue morgue. All the property of the deceased in the room had been collected and inventoried. It amounted to $14,655 in cash, bank books from four savings institutions showing deposits totaling $31,456, United States savings and defense bonds with a face value of $47,250, and other securities worth more than $185,000 in the current market. The totals were rechecked in the presence of the civilian witness, entered by Patrolman Vaccaro in his memorandum book, which was signed by both myself and Sergeant Warriors. The property was then taken to the station house by Patrolman Vaccaro and turned over to the desk officer for transmittal to the property clerk of the department. In the meantime, Detective William Novak of the 21st Squad had been assigned by Lieutenant King to make an investigation in order to locate either relatives or close friends of the deceased. He interviewed the landlady, Mrs. Neal, to secure whatever information she had. He examined the papers and documents found in the room. And at 2.10 in the afternoon, his task took him to Astoria in Queens, where he went into a new apartment building and rode the self-service elevator to the fourth floor, where he walked down the hall to apartment 4D. Uh... Is this the residence of Mr. George Bookham? Is Mr. Bookham Hall on the police officer? What's the matter? I'm Detective Novak of the 21st Squad. Is Mr. Bookham home? Yes, he's here. What's the matter? I'd like to talk to him. Are you Mrs. Bookham? Yes, that's right. Come in. Thank you. George! Got the ball game on in there. Uh-huh. George! What? Someone here to see you. Who? A detective. All right. George Yank's fan. Mr. Bookham. Uh-huh. Told you they should have took Reynolds out of there, Alma. He walked another man. He's staying my ghost. You're a detective, huh? Yes, sir, that's right. William Novak of the 21st Squad in Manhattan. Uh, what can I do for you? Mr. Bookham, do you have an uncle named Edwin Lowfield? Yes, that's right. It's uh, my mother's brother. Uh, lives in the East 70s in New York. Well, I don't know where he lives. I haven't seen him in years. I think he did live there, George. What's the trouble? Afraid I got some bad news for you, Mr. Bookham. Yeah? He was found in his room this morning. Apparently he had a heart attack. Is he uh, dead? Yes, sir, that's right. I'm sorry. Well, uh, too bad about him. From what I remember, he was a pretty nice guy. Yeah. Well, what are we supposed to do about him? We'd like Mr. Bookham to come over to Bellevue and identify the body. Why? Just a matter of procedure, sir. I always try to get a close relative or friend in cases like this. Notify them. Well, I'm not what you would call a close relative. From what I can learn, you're the closest, aren't you? Well, I guess I am the closest, but it's just my uncle, and I haven't seen him in years. Not since my mother's funeral, as a matter of fact. Uh, look, I'm sorry and all that, but I don't think it's any of my responsibility. Who haven't heard from him in years. No, that's right. I've got my own family. I've got my wife and two kids. 
Well, what am I supposed to do about it? What do they want me to do? Arrange for the funeral and uh, uh, everything? Well, we thought you might like to, being the closest relative. Well, suppose he was my third cousin or something like that. Would you expect it if I was still the closest relative? We'd notify you. Do you still live in the first room? Yes, ma'am, that's right. Well, I don't see why they expect us to take care of the funeral expenses and all that. We've got no money for that. He doesn't mean that much to us. Nobody asked you to take care of any expenses. Well, somebody will if we get involved in making arrangements and all that. Don't go, George. Don't be a fool. No, i got to be at work at 4 o'clock anyway. I work at the hotel car and that over in Manhattan. Oh, yeah, but you still have time to come to Bellevue and make an identification. Don't do it, George. You'll only get involved. You've got no responsibility. No, that's right. No, I I, I don't want to get involved. I, I, I don't want to get stuck for any of these expenses. I don't think you will, Mr. Bookham. It appears your uncle had a little money. Jerry? Yes. I hope it's enough to cover the funeral expenses. Yes, ma'am, it is. And then some. Well, how much was that? Well, Mr. Bookham, we're not all together sure. There might be more than was in his room. Well, what was in his room? Oh, it was cash and passbooks and securities worth about $275,000. <gasps> $275,000. Yes, sir, that's right. Are you sure it's my uncle? Oh, I'm sure, George. Well, there was a picture of a woman in his room in the drawer. It had to my darling brother written on it from Margaret. If that was my mother's name, Margaret. The photographer was from Jamaica. I checked him out. I looked up his records, and I got the address where your mother formerly lived. In Forest Hills? Yeah, I went around the building there and spoke to the super. He remembered that you worked for the coronet in New York. I checked the name there, and they gave me this address. If they need you to make an identification and arrange for the funeral, George, I think you ought to. After all, you're his closest relative. Oh, sure, Alma. I intend to do everything I can. As I remember him, George, he was a nice old man, really nice. He was always good to me when I was a kid. And he was crazy about my mother. I'll do anything I can to help you, uh, Detective um, Novak. Yeah, yeah, and anything. I, I just want to be of all the assistance I can. I, I want to help. Well, you'd come over to Bellevue with me and identify him. And then what? Just so the medical examiner releases the body. You can make any arrangements for the funeral you want. Well, where's the money? It was taken to the 21st Precinct Station House. It'll be safe there, won't it? Couldn't be much safer. Gets entered in the blotter and turned over to the property clerk at the department. Oh, uh, no aspersions, man. I was just concerned. I'm the closest relative, you know. Mr. and Mrs. Bookham left immediately with Detective Novak for Bellevue Morgue in order to identify the body of George Bookham's uncle. During this time, I had been out on patrol of the precinct in sector car number four, and I returned to the station house at 3.40 p.m., in time to turn out the platoon for the night tour at four. I got out of the car, walked up the front steps, and into the muster room where Lieutenant Gorman was desk officer and Sergeant Waters was now on telephone switchboard duty. Hello, Captain. Oh, what's doing, Sergeant? Nothing much, sir. Just read a call from the press about the old man and the money. Oh. I referred them all up to the detective. Good. Oh, and uh, Lieutenant King said he'd like to see you when you get back in the house. All right, bring upstairs and tell him I'm back. Yes, sir. I'll uh, sign the blotter. Yes, sir. Hello, Red. Honey, first squad, Detective Howard. This is Sergeant Waters on TS, Whitey. Yes, Sergeant. Lieutenant King wanted to know when Captain Kennelly got back in the house. He's back. You want to talk to the lieutenant or shall I tell him? You tell him. Get hold of Lieutenant King, Sergeant. I spoke to Howard upstairs, the captain. He's telling the lieutenant you're back. Okay. 
We'll give you the address of the property clerk and tell you who to see down there. They'll have all the information downtown. The property clerk is at 400 Broom Street. I don't know why there's all this trouble after all. The money will be ours. As I said, that has to be determined by the court. Uh, no, Max, just... Can you take them over to talk to Lieutenant Gorman? Yes. Do you want to come this way, please? Well, thank you, Captain. Thank you. You're welcome. Right over here. I thought you were going to tell them that. Uh, I was waiting for you to do it, Captain. Well, that's the court, John. I figured it could wait. Their second piece of shocking news in one day might be just too much. Twenty-first precinct, Sergeant Waters. Who? Well, what happened? He fell off a truck. Yeah. Yeah. How old a boy? Oh, now wait a minute. Exactly where is this? No, don't touch him. Just tell him I'm sending the officers right over there. And so it goes. Around the clock, through the week, every day, every year. A police precinct in the city of New York is a flesh and blood merry-go-round. Anyone can catch the brass ring. Or the brass ring can catch anyone. 21st Precinct. A factual account of the way the police work in the world's largest city is presented with the official cooperation of the Patrolman's Benevolent Association, City of New York. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Yeah.